You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 770 CHQR. Welcome to summer, a great time for vacations, spending time at the cottage, and enjoying some relaxation time. It's a good time as well to be talking with your family about a life plan. Are your expectations the same as your partner's? Does your family approve of what you want to do with the assets you've spent a lifetime accumulating? And what to do with the family's recreational property? All good questions, all worthy of a conversation this summer around the picnic table. Build a consensus and then call Macmillan Estate Planning at 403-266-6464. Life planning brings peace of mind. It puts a plan in place to deal with the what-ifs that life delivers. Give yourself the freedom to enjoy the summer, knowing you've got a plan in place in case something happens. When you're ready, call Macmillan Estate Planning at 403-266-6464 and have a great summer season. Wayne Nelson back with you on The Strong Room on 770 CHQR. Our topic this morning, the potential legal quagmire surrounding the disposition of an insolvent estate. In other words, if the estate of a deceased person has no assets, but there are still debts to be paid, what's the process? Who gets what? How much do they get, if anything? Can a claim be filed against the estate? What responsibilities does the executor have? Joining me today to discuss what you need to know is Macmillan Estate Planning Legal Counsel, Henry Villanueva. We always want to emphasize that when you accept the job, make sure that you're in it and uh, don't rush into it. Make sure we do it methodically and we have a game plan on how to finish it. And of course, consult with the professionals to make sure that you're on the right track and you're geared toward completion. Communication is so very important because at that point, if the executor does decide to proceed or, or does not decide to proceed, they still need to notify everyone concerned. So if there are beneficiaries, there are creditors involved, those people should be notified. You know what, folks, we've got an insolvent estate here. It's not going to be a, a smooth process like it might normally be. Mm -hmm. Communication is always key. And we love to stress that at Macmillan. We want to make sure everybody's on the same page. And it doesn't change in regard to executorship duties or trusteeship duties. So again, lack of communication is a common pitfall. The executors must make sure that when they know that they have accepted this role and there's someone who has passed away, that we tell those who need to know, for example, utilities, they need to know, the bank needs to know, the Rogers or telecommunication companies must need to know as well, because these accounts need to be in a way frozen or suspended, again, to prevent fraudulent transactions as well, because we don't want an account active where, in fact, the person has already passed away. Sure. And proper accounting. That's another one. And in accounting, we also have to consider keeping proper documentation and records as well. So this emphasizes that when an executor pays a bill, he must make sure that he keeps receipts, get those Excel spreadsheets going, because those are going to be very important in the future when we do an accounting of what was spent and not spent and how we're going to distribute the balance as well. Now, We've been talking about a case in which there is an executor who has either decided to go forward with duties and responsibilities or to back away from it. What if there is no executor named in an estate? What happens? 
when there is no executor named in an estate or if somebody passes away into state or without a will, what happens is the nearest uh, family or relationship of kin will have to step up the plate and act as an executor. And in that case, the courts will actually appoint a family member or nearest relative of kin to do this role. And the courts usually use a couple of factors to determine who is most suitable. And of course, usually it's either the spouse or the kids. But then again, it depends on the situation. If they're not in good terms or if they're not actually able due to an incapacity, then the courts may appoint another distant relative as well to assist. What if they don't want to? Same situation. The court says, well, we're going to appoint you. And you go, oh, hold on a sec. I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. Do they have a choice? This is not something done in default by our government or the courts. This is something which is applied by someone who wants to uh, do the job. So someone who steps up is someone who would file this application in court to be appointed. All right. So let's say someone decides to go in, take on the responsibilities, but they start getting into it and they're going, whoa, this is way too much, way more uh, mess, basically, than I had anticipated. At that point, they're in it. They've got, to, they've got to move forward. But is there help? Can they get assistance at that point? Yes. Usually, more often than not, individuals have the power or ability, either granted by a will or in default by the law, to, uh, to delegate certain tasks. And of course, everybody should be able to do something that they're comfortable and should not be forced. So for example, if an executor is not familiar with accounting or tax filing, they can delegate that. They can hire an accountant or a bookkeeper to file the deceased tax returns, for example. Or in regard to certain real estate, like listing properties for sale, they can hire a realtor or they can hire a lawyer. They can retain professionals, provided they be mindful that the fees should be reasonable. Now let's talk about that. We, uh, hypothetical example. Uh, someone has, uh, has passed, they have left behind their house, their house is a mess. Can the executor then hire a cleaning company, uh, say, to, to come in and clean up the mess and, and remove a lot of the stuff that isn't really necessary? By all means, yes, especially if the executor has limited time on their hands. Uh, and it is prudent for them to retain a cleaning company who has all the tools to do it efficiently and uh, to do a better job than them, basically. Okay? All right. However, again, be mindful of the reasonableness of the expenses that uh, the estate will spend because this money for the cleaning will not come from the executor's pocket. Well, it could be a reimbursement, but ultimately it'll be an expense of the estate. And what we discussed earlier is that we have to be mindful of creditor claims as well. We can't obviously charge a cleaning expense in the amount of $5,000 to clean uh, a one-bedroom house that's pretty small, but we can probably spend a reasonable amount of, let's say, three to $500. That seems more reasonable depending on uh, the situation. But of course, the creditors will have to look at the reasonableness of the expenses or costs or monies that come out of the estate. So let's assume that... The cleaning company has come in, they've done their job, the place is cleaned up, but it still looks pretty shabby. Mm-hmm. Can the executor then hire a painting company to come in to make it look better for resale purposes? Yes, and that's part of their duty. The executor's duty is to take care and steward the assets of the deceased so that they can um, 
complete the probate or the estate administration. And included in that role is preparing property for sale, for example. And in that case, uh, if the property needs a fresh coat of paint for it to be more show ready for buyers, then by all means, that is him fulfilling his duty to protect the assets of the estate and sell it properly. But again, that repainting has to be reasonable. You can't go and spend, you know, five or $10,000 if it's a $1,000 or $2,000 paint job. Definitely. It can't be painted like an Italian fresco with paintings on the walls <laughs> or ceiling. Now, let's uh, review, Henry, if we can, uh, that general list, that general protocol that we talked about in the first uh, segment of today's show on who gets what. So secured creditors are first. Yes. So secured creditors, and the reason they lent to the deceased was because they have property to attach onto. Examples of these are uh, if we um, have a car loan and we borrow from a certain financing company or a bank, of course, that loan is attached to the car. Same thing with a mortgage. Mortgage would be paid. Definitely. Mortgage is a secured loan. Again, it's attached to the home. If that is not paid or in default, the house will be seized and foreclosure proceedings may be commenced. Funeral expenses. Uh, Sometimes this can be looked after through a life insurance policy, but let's say it's not. Yes, we have some families who have prepaid funeral plots and good for them. The family doesn't have to pay. However, more often than not, we don't expect to pass away and funeral expenses were not um, prepaid. In that case, uh, the funeral company uh, would be sending an invoice and those have to be paid from the estate's account. But take note again, Wayne, reasonable fees. You can't have that, uh, that big uh, New Orleans send-off type thing. Definitely. All mm-hmm. right. Estate administration expenses. And this is where I'm assuming that an executor could get paid for services. Yes, executors are able to receive compensation as well because remember, this is a job that that they're fulfilling and their fee should be reasonable in accordance with, for example, the Trustees Act of Alberta, which will allow them for a reasonable rate based on the hours that they have fulfilled. And it's mindful or smart for them to write up a timesheet to that effect as well. But in regard to estate administration expenses, these refer to payments not just to them, but to lawyers, to other professionals, such as accountants, and all those other roles that need to be fulfilled. What about if they're a company uh, owner? What about wages to employees? Can, can all of these things be paid from the estate if it's, say, back pay owing? Mm-hmm, definitely. And again, the law seeks to prevent those who need more protection. And in that regard, debts with legislative priority will be given, of course, priority as well. And those include child maintenance payments, rental payments, wages owing to employees, and of course, employment insurance, municipal taxes, and other related debts. All right. And then we have the taxes, of course. Uh, and then after all of this, there are the unsecured creditors. That's right. It can be as little as very little, or it can be a lot, right? But in effect, unsecured creditors will be paid after everybody else with priority have been paid. Now, is there a time frame, Henry, where a creditor who hasn't come forward quickly and just, just finds out that the person has passed, is there a time frame that uh, a certain time frame that they have in order to file a claim for debts owing? There's, um, there's no hard 
and fast rule to that. There are specific court procedures that provide uh, requirements such as publication or notification requirements to these creditors. Uh, and then the creditors would have to wait for their turn to get paid. And that's where, again, communication and transparency comes into play. Lots to know uh, in an insolvent estate, a little bit more than, than a regular estate that has assets. Correct. My guest today has been Macmillan Estate Planning Legal Counsel, Henry Villanueva. We've been discussing some of the issues and the rules, protocols surrounding an uh, insolvent estate, what an executor should do and should not do. If you have any questions, contact Macmillan Estate Planning for your complimentary consultation. That number is 403-266-6464 during weekday business hours or visit their website at macmillanestate.com. That's Macmillan spelled M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N. I'm Wayne Nelson. Thanks for joining us on The Strong Room on 770 CHQR.